0: This week on Dig Me Out.
1: With your hosts, Jason Dia and Tim Manici.
2: Jay, we're back again with another episode. Thanks to our Dig Me Out union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And speaking of the union, Jay, we have a new union member. His name is Jordan Neville. Welcome, Jordan. Hey, Jordan. Welcome to the fold, as Richard Patrick might say. Ah, saying well played. Thank you. See, I do a little research. Not research. I, I, I figure out a way to integrate uh, the things we're going to talk about. Uh, into our into our build up here, and it makes it sound like we're professionals, which we're not. But uh, we do have a Patreon, and at that Patreon, we have tournaments. Jay, last year, we started doing these uh, these tournaments. Twenty seven albums enter the cage; <laughs> only one gets to leave. Three rounds of nine. One round, final round of six. And uh, this is our February tournament had a lot of records. Going into it when you were looking at these records, did anything strike you as like, "Oh, I think that might win," or that would be interesting or or do you, or do you just wait and see what happens?
0: Uh, I poke around here and there.
2: Uh, I mostly wait. me too. I mean, obviously there's stuff we're familiar with, but
1: yeah, if so- every now and then if something. Usually something that I was kind of familiar with, but it gives me an excuse to revisit it. You know, we, we, I'd like to wait and do the full review once the actual winner comes out.
2: Well, let's get into some of these uh, these albums. Let's talk about what was in the picks this February for our tournament. Uh, in round one, we had A Place in the Sun by Lit, No Memory by number two, Hands-On, Thousand-Year Stare. Underdogs by Matthew Goodman, Smother Earth by Snake Corpse, The Great Divide by Semisonic, 101 Dalmatians by Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine. D- sorry, 101 Damnations, not Dalmatians. Ah, get that right. House of Love by The House of Love and Firewater by Silkworm. The two albums that made it out of there were Semisonic and Carter the Unstoppable Sex Machine, which we've if reviewed you- already which we reviewed if you had told me that that was what was going to make it out. I would, have, I would, was surprised. I thought maybe looking at that silkworm would make it out or, um, lit because people might know that we're not the biggest lit fans.
1: Oh, no, don't say that. Cause it it's, it's in this month's again, again.
2: You, yeah. By well, person, I have to so. say, I really am. Only, I only know one song, so yeah, I the rest yeah, of the yeah, record yeah, could yeah, be amazing. Yeah. And I I would, but I just didn't like the single. To be fair, that is that is accurate. Second round, Wild Wonderful Purgatory by Karma to Burn. All hail Discordia by Divine Right by by Divine Right. Spirit Finger by the Dillons. Amantia by Bardo Pond. Slightly Oddway by Jebediah. Happiness is not a fish that you can catch by All Peace. U.S. Songs by Elliot. Gash by Fotis. Is that how you say that? Fotis? Or is it?
0: I think so. Thotus. I go with Fotus.
2: Fear of a Whack Planet by Funk Junkies. And the two to make it out of that, Our Lady Peace and Elliot. And the final round of, of nine was Title of Record by Filter, The Real People Self-Titled, On Avery Island by Neutral Milk Hotel, Starry by the Killjoys, Doubt by Jesus Jones, Melt by the Straightjacket Fits. Sand on seven by not from there. Year of Mondays by Mike Johnson and Sebastopol Road by Mega City 4. The two to survive that. Jesus Jones and Filter. Two ends of the spectrum in the in the in the 90s, beginning of the 90s and end of the 90s. So our right. final were Filter, LED piece, Jesus Jones, Elliot, Semisonic, and Carter. The unstoppable sex machine. Richard Waterman suggested Filter, Darren Leach suggested Jesus Jones, Mike Bankhead. Suggested Our Lady Peace, Vadim Taver, Elliot, Mike Bankhead again, Semi Sonic, and Dan Clark Carter, the unstoppable sex machine. It was a close one. There were threats made
1: <laughs>
2: about what was going to get picked and what wasn't going to get picked. There were some very strong lines drawn, and when it all came down to it, with twenty six percent of the vote, filter title of record one. Our February 2023 poll.
1: I think it's squeaked it out by just one vote, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, twenty six to twenty three percent. I think one vote would have tied it up. So
2: every vote matters. And there, it was close with the uh, the later vote. Uh, Our Lady Peace and Elliot both tied with seventeen percent. Yeah. If that filter uh, had vote had gone to one of those, uh, we would have had a tie at the top, and then we and then we would have had a, a, a close third place finisher.
1: Yeah.
2: Elliot, like I mentioned, Elliot and Ali Peace with 17%, Semisonic with 11%, and Carter, the unstoppable sex machine with 6%. Jay, you're familiar with Filter, right? This isn't a surprise.
0: No,
1: I, uh, I was a pretty big fan of Short Bus. Me too. Um, I remember at the time it came out, I didn't verify this before, but I'll just go with my memory. Uh, there were some stories around the band having recorded some of that in, in Westlake, Ohio. Um, I don't know how much of that was true, but I remember that being one of the, uh, the storylines when it came out that kind of captured my attention. And then, uh, yeah, I was a big fan of, of that record, listened to it quite a bit. Don't know this one very well other than the singles, though.
2: I, I, got, of, uh, I, got... I got my
1: filter fix, and then I moved down quickly.
2: Yeah, I got I got my filter fix as well because I was pretty much short bus and that was it. Yeah. Um, and keep in mind, there's four years between records. Oh wow, I didn't so, realize that. Yeah, so short bus came out in May of '95, and for people who may not know,
0: history of the band
2: Richard Patrick is the singer and guitarist, and he had been. In the touring band of Nine Inch Nails, and he decided he wanted to write, so he left Nine Inch Nails and formed Filter with Brian Lizegang, gang who ended up only. He was on short bus. They started to record the second record. They got into arguments about the direction of the band, and Brian Lise gang or however you say it, uh, left after they had recorded a couple songs, including like. Um, they did the song for the Crystal Method. Uh, was it Can You Trip Like I Do? Mm. Um, and then they did a song for a soundtrack. And as the story goes with with this with this record why it took so long is that they were working on a record. Richard Patrick was like, I don't like. Brian wanted to take it into more electronic direction. Richard was like, No, I like the guitars. I like the heaviness. I want to keep doing that aspect of it so they ended up you know separating um matt walker was the drummer but because they had taken so long he had replaced jimmy chamberlain in smashing pumpkins Mm. after chamberlain had his drug issues so they lost their drummer that they had when they were touring and pretty much lost the whole band because it took so long to get to get them like back together not brian and richard they were separated completely and then richard patrick goes. I think I want to, I want to build my own studio. So he takes like two years to build a studio.
1: As you should do with your advance, uh,
2: which is a good idea. Yes, right, exactly. Right. You should build your own studio. We learned that from other bands. Don't waste all your money going to a, in, a, invest
1: a- that money in something that will return money in the
2: future. Right. Or at least save you a lot of money in the future. So he builds, um, you know, studio. And they end up recording the record. It comes out. This uh, album, title of Record, came out in August of 1999. Welcome to the Fold was the first single. It was released about two weeks before the record came out. And then Take a Picture was not released as a single until January of 2000. But I do remember that being like everywhere for a while. It went to Take a Picture... Went to number one on the U.S. dance chart, number three on the U.S. modern rock chart, number four on the U.S. main chart, number seven on the U.S. adult chart, and uh, number three in Canada. Dance so, chart? Yeah. I'm, huh. I'm guessing because this is a, a band that, you know, has electronic elements to it, there's a lot of remixes. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing there was an electronic remix of that gotcha. song. That was actually one of my favorite parts of Short Bus is that I really liked, you know, obviously, Hey Man and I Shot is a really cool song, but I also like Dose was a really cool song. And there was a whole like CD single of a bunch of remixes of that song. And I was really that's how into that record I was. I was seeking out like the CD singles, trying to get the remixes of of songs because we would play we would play those at the radio station um, in college. So I'm guessing that's what probably made it to the dance charts. Now this has been reissued. It, it got a 20th anniversary reissue with um, the song that they re- recorded for the Crow City of Angels soundtrack, the Can You Trip Like I Do, which was on the Spawn soundtrack. Um, there's a a shorter remix of Take a Picture for Radio, than what's on the record, and then there's a this, the third single, The Best Things. There's also a remix single of that uh that's on the expanded edition i don't remember i don't know if you remember this but for the x-files soundtrack fight the future which is the the movie not the tv show um they did a cover of one which what which three dog night made famous yeah that's right but it's it's actually a harry Nilsson song um i actually like their version of that song too it's pretty good the x-files Movie was called "Fight the Future." Yep,
0: has a terrible name. <laughs> <sighs> uh, huh? Okay,
2: because it was about the future that where we were going to be colonized by aliens, and about how like the government had agreed to let us be colonized through bees or something. Really? Is that and, the yeah, premise of the
1: movie?
2: Something like that. Like oh, we we couldn't stop an alien invasion, so. Basically, the government like negotiated a slow takeover. Yeah. And it had something to do with bees and black oil <laughs> that got into your eyes and like a spacecraft in the Arctic. I'm trying to piece it together. I have not watched yeah. the movie in over 20 years, but that's like my uh that's one that's what I kind of remember. And it they like starts with the a bees. bombing of a building at the at like that's parallel to Oklahoma City.
1: mm Anyway, I vaguely remember I was a big fan of the show at the time it came out. I remember going to see the movie and I
0: realizing why I have never returned to it <laughs> based on your synopsis. Yeah. That was where I kind of gave up. Yeah. Excuse me. I coughed a little bit. I kind of yeah, like
2: think, saw the movie and then went, I don't think I like this anymore. Right. I think <laughs> I, I had the same
1: reaction. It was, it seemed like everything was building to that movie. And then, uh, if memory serves, it felt like, uh, yeah, they're fucking with us. <laughs> After we saw the movie, like, kind of the ending, a lost, like, oh yeah, they have no idea what's going on. They're just making up things and throwing them all together to like.
2: Keep yes, getting to watch. I don't want to get distracted by an X Files discussion. Well, that is totally worthy, <laughs> but I will say X Files worked better when it was a scary story of the week yeah. and trying to do an overarching yeah. Uh, story. Yeah. That said. If If you don't know, Richard Patrick's from Cleveland, right, and that's why the, that's why when you mentioned Westlake, I was like, yeah, that makes sense because that's where he was from.
1: yeah, the the rumors at the time were that they had rented a house in Westlake, Ohio, like in the suburbs and made some of that record there. So it was a little bit of a a fun novelty knowing how you know, suburban and conservative Westlake, Ohio is to think that they made that record
0: there is kind of funny.
2: So, I, there's been a lot of people in this band. I'm not going to go through all of them. But this is what their output was, or or has been. Uh, they have, uh, and we mentioned Short Bus, came out in 95, Total Record in 99. The, the Amalgamate came out in 2002. Anthems for the Damned in 2008. The Trouble with Angels in 2010. The Sun comes out at... Some The Sun comes out tonight in 2013, Crazy Eyes in 2016, and this year, at some point, has it, the date hasn't been announced, but they're releasing a new record called They've Got Us, Right Where They Want Us, At Each Other's Throats. And it was originally conceived as a follow-up to Short Bus called Rebus. Thank God they did not use that
0: title
2: <laughs> there's so yeah so that's that's what's going on so they got an album coming out this year and i don't know if you remember this but there was a side project called army of anyone right which was richard patrick with dean and robert DeLeo on guitar and bass and ray is it Luzier? yep he was on drums. He was in David Lee Ross Band, right?
0: Yes. And he's in Corn now.
2: Yes. And uh, they put out a record in 2006 called, what well, was Subtitled Army of Anyone. But they had a couple singles, including a song that made it to number 21 on the U.S. Roderick Rock Chart and number three on the U.S. Mainstream Rock Chart called Goodbye. And I have no recollection of that at all. I think it was,
0: if I'm not mistaken, um.
2: They worked with Ken Andrews on this record from failure. Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: That kind of makes sense. So let's talk. Uh,
2: let's get into some of the comments. The uh, folks at Patreon were quite split. Uh, Richard Dodgen said, oh, man, torn between Filter, Jesus, Jones, and Carter. Going to have to think about this. Uh, Nate Smith went with Happiness. Eric Peterson, I'm going with filters. I feel like there needs to be more industrial-related dig-me-out episodes. To which Mike Banker responded, that's interesting. I've never considered filter to be industrial. And Ian McIver, our resident industrial expert, he said, I do not consider filter to be industrial. There's an association to the genre and scene because of Richard Patrick's history with Nine Inch Nails. But even then, there's a greater debate about Nine Inch Nails and industrial, probably because the biggest band that crossed over loved the biggest target. I've said it here before in Discord heavy guitar riffs over some electronics and synthesizers do not make a band industrial. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Bill Davidson went with Our Lady Peace. Darren Svedson filter as well. This album just feels so 1999 mainstream rock. Jason Carr, got to go with Filter here. Very underappreciated album. Joe Roiland went with Semisonic. Richard Waterman said, Happiness is my favorite Our Lady Peace album, but Filter. And he also added, um, Title of record is better than Short Bus. This would be the peak all downhill from here. Top 10 album for me personally. It's not industrial. Filter were just a rock band. This is a cohesive, heavy rock album with some unexpected twists and turns. Great vocals and range, amazing drumming and fills, sick and heavy riffs, bass riffs. The album sounds good, too. Ben Gross did a great job in production and mixing. Gavin went with Elliot. Kyle Bittner went with Elliot as well. Dewey Cole said, my vote for Filter, just put him up. So maybe it was Dewey's vote that pushed him over the edge. Um, Jeremy Men said, this is probably the closest Jesus Jones will ever come to getting voted into an episode. <laughs> I'm going to use standard political tactics, tactics to, fears, to smear filter. <laughs> <laughs> and then Phil Fleming said, the filter album is great if you take out the lyrics. Whoa. Zing. Uh, Stephen John said, giving my vote to Elliot. And Jeremy followed up, since it looks like Filter will, will win, here's my Filter comment. I bought the album on the day of release as W-O-X-Y, our friend Shiv worked there, was playing Welcome to the Fold for a while beforehand. I enjoyed it then and still do, but I distinctly remember listening to Picture for the first time and thinking, oh boy, if they released that as a single, I would probably get sick of it fairly quickly. Honestly, it might be one of the weakest tracks in the album, but my opinion might be skewed by how tired I am of that song. I worked in retail, retail, A long time, so I heard it a lot. (laughs) I
1: feel bad for you. I can imagine how much that was played.
2: Ian Kyra said, I did not vote for Filter. I wanted an album for my scene. I would have preferred if it was gashed by BOTUS. I remember when Tetra Record came out prior to my final year of university and listening to this with my best friend. We while we both love Nice Nails, his favorite band, and didn't mind Short Bus because of Richard Patrick's previous association with Nice Nails, we both instantly did not like this album. Filter wears their influences on their sleeves and does nothing to improve or make the sound their own over their discography. While heavy guitars and electronic sounds with the electronic sounds was relatively new for the industrial genre, and Patrick was with Nine Inch Nails for Pretty Hate Machine tours in 1991, it was commonplace and overdone in the late 90s as everyone tried to be the next Nine Inch Nails. If my friend and I had waited over a month for when I helped him set up his new computer and cable internet, we would have downloaded a copy from a little program called Napster and probably deleted the files after listening. This isn't even a decent single, which you could not escape from Alternative Radio in late 1999, but my custom rating of pirated download. That is that is, uh, that is harsh. And then Jeremy men followed up with, beat it misanthropic industrial purist (laughs) uh so that was those are just that was most of the comments that we got over at uh at patreon jay let's talk about this record let's get into it tell me one thing you liked about title of record the very original album title by filter
1: uh first i'm going to tell ian if he's listening he may want to turn this off <laughs> skip skip this week <laughs> we appreciate the support but and you're uh, a way bigger authority on industrial music than me I'm going to try to take this from a generic middle of the road alt alt rock fan or hard rock fan so I think what works best for
0: me is it does in to my ears and my My familiarity with the industrial music
1: of the 90s uh, and and the 80s, it does combine that with the most powerful elements of hard rock and really creates this very economical presentation of the two. It, It kind of takes elements of both and puts it together, which isn't that novel in the '90s. You know, Stabbing Westwards, a man that comes to mind that we've already reviewed and talked about. I think the way that the Filter's doing it, though, is it's just a it's more, I guess, like economical is the best way to put it. From to me, is it's really figuring out what are the what are the biggest levers we can pull here to make big dynamic arena-sized rock music that's driven from the elements of industrial music that are also most conducive to that. Uh, The riffs are big and meaty. They're not overly complicated. Um, The vocal is powerful, but it's he's also, on this record in particular, really pushing how melodic he can be. Uh, So, you know, several songs have these driving, you know, pick the record off with welcome to the fold you know it has this driving big riff in the verse super aggressive and then it flips this switch and it becomes this open you know big chord thing uh, melodic chorus that's very accessible uh, again so like bringing that hard rock chorus into things you know and almost into a you know arena sing along kind of thing um pounding drums i like the mix of you know bringing in some of that industrial you know drum machine sound but then there's also some live drumming mixed in that's you know maybe like a helmet or even like a dave roll style drumming to to give you some variety i was also surprised listening to this record how much like layering is coming in here like percussion um in certain sections to keep things interesting with, I, which I think is really effective in terms of uh, you know, they're not doing anything dramatic from like a time change or fill or, you know, they'll have like a halftime part and a regular part. But I think layering in the percussion just helps give it this dynamic at times that is different than anything I, I had
0: heard to the point and in listening back now still feels fairly unique in how they're doing that. Um, Then, uh, you know, they just go back to the proven dynamics, these propelling verses,
1: big choruses. So you got things that like rock fans can identify with quickly and, and understand but you also have things that, you know, are a little bit more, uh, you know, from the fringe or the edge, the aggression of the industrial music. Um, some of the dance aspects of industrial music and, or the, you know, sort of rhythmic familiarity also though, I think it goes in these places where it starts to broaden the vocabulary. So obviously welcome to the fold and captain Bly set you in this, you know, big arena rock uh, mixed with industrial kind of sound. But as you get into the record and really start to break it down, um it starts to go in some different directions so like the best things is a good example where you know it's still up tempo but it's almost like a driving song uh can you imagine you know being behind the wheel and it's got this melodic sense to it that the previous songs on the record don't quite have so it leans maybe a little bit even more into that classic hard rock sound picture kind of sounds like Jane's addiction. Yep. He even has uh has a falsetto in
0: there, which,
1: you know, vocally that I don't think is something we'd heard him do yet till that point. Um Cancer has this weird like breathy layered vocal thing going on in the chorus. It doesn't sound like anything else that he had done before. Uh Miss Blue has a chorus that sounds very George Harrison like. Uh So, again, like bringing these elements and pieces and parts of songs in as you get through this record that are pretty unexpected and start to push the boundaries of what this band can be, what the sound of this is. You know, it's just not like pound your fists in the air, go a thousand miles per hour, and then have a hooky chorus. You're starting to see much more nuance, I think, as you get deeper into this record. Uh, Some different things they can do, different sounds, different moods. Uh, The last thing I'll mention is, the thing that I think really drew me into this band in the first place on, sh- on a Short Bus was that opening bass line and uh, Hey Man, Night Shot. That is just such a cool, ominous, you know, rolling bass line that returns here on this record. It's Going to Kill Me is another example of a bass line that's very similar to that. Um, I Will Lead You... Under the verse has a really cool line. The song "Cancer," which is a slower song, but again has a really good, this ominous kind of foreboding line under it. So I just want to give like a little extra credit or shout out to. I don't think that's a, something that is necessarily thought of with this band, but something that brought me into them in the first place. And then I heard it pop out on this record too, and I appreciated that. I think Nine Stales he played guitar, right? So I'm know. Yep. It you have thought of is like writing good bass parts, but there's some on the short bus and on this record, some pretty cool bass lines. So, um, you know, worth noting that's some of the stuff that worked for me. How about you?
2: Well, I have to get out of the way up front. I really have never liked to take a picture. Um, you mentioned Jane's addiction actually kind of more sounds like a porno for pyros Mm. song, which has always been sort of hit and miss for me. And the sort of hippie-ish sounding bongo, I don't know <laughs> how to describe it other than it's its this like repetitiveness that I don't like in his vocal where he repeats his lines twice and its it just does not work for me. Never has. So i'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that now it's also too long on the album. It's six over six minutes long. I think the single version is like around four minutes, which makes more sense but i'm just I'm just putting that out there. I do really, really like the music uh, overall taking that song out. the big heavy processed drop d guitars I don't know if they're dropping them in any lower than that, but you know when the riff starts to welcome to the fold, pretty much ready to go right there. Like yeah. that's what I want to hear. And you mentioned like stabbing westward. Yeah, this is definitely more on the rock end of. It's like a rock band that dabbles with electronics as opposed to Nine Inch Nails, which is a little bit more in the industrial end, but still has big heavy guitars. Yeah, it's this isn't obviously like the stuff in industrial that we would think of with regards to like i mean skinny puppy and you know front 242 and those bands they have used guitars but it seems like the electronics come first in those bands yes yes
1: these songs sound like they're built around chords or riffs
2: right so it's nice to hear them expand you know the first record is a, a little more i guess compact and they they kind of like stretch on this record you know welcome to the fold again at seven forty. that song has a long breakdown there's a there is quite a bit of fat on that song and again they got trimmed down for a single but there's a couple songs on here like that where you're like they're taking advantage of the cd length with the with these songs yeah
0: yeah for sure
2: but i do like the fact that like you mentioned the best things, which I think is one of the best songs on the record. It has a drive to it. It's weird in that it sounds, it sounds so nineties, this album, but because it's produced really well, it doesn't really sound dated to me in the same way that like some industrial rock does. Yeah. You mentioned the added percussion, anything that gets added to these songs makes them. 10 times better than their bass line. Like you mentioned that breathy vocal and Cancer, that is so cool. And I wish that he utilized that aspect more. the way that like you know like massive attack utilizes guest vocalists for songs i think this band would be perfect for that to have more of those guest vocals especially playing off he has such a distinct voice like having someone to play off of yeah would be really cool i kind of feel it is, in a strange way i kind of feel like this band is on a spiritual level like sponge where they made a very specific debut album that has a very unique sound. And then on the second record, they kind of expanded and like went in a couple of different directions and, and, but kept the core of the sound, but just got a little bit more experimental, did some different things. And then after that, it's all just kind of downhill. And you, you, there's, there's like five records after that. And you're like, I don't know what's going on with those records, but they, they don't, they lost the plot after yeah. that. And maybe that happened to more than just sponge and, and filter. Which isn't a sponge technically a type of filter? Isn't it filter water?
0: <laughs> well, it also holds water.
2: It holds water. I guess.
1: I suppose you could use a sponge as a filter.
2: Whoa, man. <laughs> Blow my mind. I and I like that they utilize, you know, they could have made 10 songs that sound like, hey man, nice shot utilizing that bass intro on like you mentioned it's going to kill me and the on the the other track uh is it i will lead you yeah i like that they do it when they they could have ignored it completely and be like we're not going to repeat ourselves but they they do it but then they also like go different directions with the sound as opposed to just replicating what was successful with hey man nice shot they do kind of have the loud quiet thing or a quiet loud thing going on with some of the songs. But like a lot of the stuff, like like I mentioned, best the best things that that doesn't stick to that format. Yeah. It's it's all up tempo and loud. Not like overwhelming loud, but it's got a, a good energy to it. Yeah. And I think that's really when this works best is when they embrace the I don't want to say the the popular elements, but just the more energetic elements. I don't always like some of the stuff that's slow and very dark. Yeah, okay, I get it. Like you're you're in a heavy industrial quote-unquote rock band. You got to do some eerie stuff. But they're not going to write hurt. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. not going to take it to that level. So just give me like 10 bangers as the kids would say with a z at the end these days. <laughs> Yeah. So that's what works for me. Yep. yep.
0: Um makes sense. I I
2: think that I wish I could get over my dis- dislike of take a picture cuz I think there's a cool song there. It's just it it's just one of those songs where I heard it so much. Yeah. I just never want to hear it again.
0: I uh I haven't heard it in a very 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 long time. So I came in expecting to like want
1: to skip past it as fast as I possibly could. I didn't hate it as much as I thought it would. <laughs> uh, I guess I was able to appreciate it a little bit differently now. And, so, and also with some of these songs, um, our records we review in particular, and songs that were big on the radio, um, I'm also noticing they're kind of fun to listen to because. I'm so used to hearing them in such a bad fidelity (laughs) that when I listen to them now with like a better setup, uh, lossless and good headphones, whatnot, I'm hearing things like I didn't even know were there. And they almost sound like different songs or at least reimagined versions to some degree. So, for example, on Take a Picture, I had no idea there was an electric guitar underneath that song. Like I just remember hearing it on the radio, and it, and they would fade it in when the acoustic would start, and now when I'm listening to, it, I'm like, oh god, this song starts with a with a di- super distorted electric guitar that's through the whole thing. I had no idea that was even there. I've heard this song like six billion times. <laughs> So there's little things like that that I think I had fun with. And then overall, I thought it, the way it fit in the record, I I ended up appreciating it more
0: than uh, than I thought I would. Okay. What doesn't work for you? Well, I'm not going to, you
1: know, go into great detail analyzing the lyrics here, but I guess my
0: impression... Maybe this is where Phil's coming from as well. This feels like a band that is emoting um, super important, serious things. Like there's a veneer
1: of like, Mm -hmm. right? What we're saying is really important and we're really angry about it. And we, you know, you need to listen to it. And then when you start listening to some of the lyrics, you're like, these are just, kind of silly boneheaded white guys with the kind up, of, you know, angst and frustration. Like, uh, I think I take, to take a picture is a good example. You know, it's a very cliched story, rock and roll story that he's telling, but then he gets to the, Hey dad part. You know, what do you think about your son now? Which is trying to take on this more like, Hey, this is a def- and it feels like, oh, but no, this is a dysfunctional family anthem. Like, I'm making a statement about my dad. It's like, you're just being a knucklehead, <laughs> like rock and roll star. Like, don't try to make this more than it is. Um, and then the song like Welcome to the Fold, you know, I'm listening to the lyrics on that. I'm like, <clears throat> a lot of it sounds like interesting words and phrases. But then when you actually try to figure out what the hell he's talking about, it doesn't make any sense. Or at least I can figure out what, what he was trying it's to It's a say lot like.
2: of throwing anger around. And, yeah. and I feel like when he gets to that chorus and he's like, you got to sit yourself down to contemplate, get yourself a nice cold beer and drink yourself yeah. away. Like, okay, are you, who are you making fun of there? Or right. who are you commenting on there? Because um, the lyrics are in the core, in the verses are very angry and yelly. Yep. You, you is- take my money, you think you're great, you think it's funny, and I hate your face. I'll kill your
1: father to destroy his seed.
2: Yeah. Whoa. It's very teen, angsty, journal. Yeah. Goth, angry. Mm -hmm. Dare I say, new metal ish. Yes. Where I'm like, what? Okay. What is the, what's the, what are you, what are you getting at? Right. And then there's that mama giving my medicine, the one that makes me feel taller breakdown. And I'm like, what does this have to do with the rest of the song? Right, right. Like, is this a guy who, who has anger issues, and he deal with deals with it through alcohol? Or like, if he's saying mama, is he a kid? Like, I don't. Yeah. And what what are we welcoming to the fold? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I don't know. Um,
1: and and. Again, I'm not like, I don't I don't need great lyrics. I think we've no. covered that on this on this podcast. Like, there's many 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 albums I list I love that have terrible lyrics, probably, and I don't even pay attention to them because to me it's about like, it communicates on an emotional level, and I don't need the lyrics. Problem with me in this particular album and and a lot of albums in the '90s. Um, you know they're presented in a in a way that's seemingly very important like these are important artistic statements we're making we're talking about important things we're not poison we're talking about important things here and when you really get into some of the lyrics you're like you're either talking about nothing or you're talking about the same shit that poison would be talking about you're just using slightly different words and more anger
2: right or limp biscuit Um,
1: (laughs) right which is yes that's kind of yeah where this ends up going in the next year couple years. Um, so it's more that for me, it's more like, now, if I had never heard this band before and I just listened to it for the first time now would it have that same reaction. I don't know. Some of this is probably me looking back and feeling a little bit like, uh, resentful or whatever, how silly we got about, you know, some of the, uh, the nineties being like more serious somehow or something when it comes to rock music and, uh, right. I just felt like this this record was a pretty good example of that where, uh, you know, it's pretty clear here. He's, you know, kind of a knuckleheaded guy in his early 20s who got some money and like is still angry at his parents. And um, that's about, you know, the, the level of depth here, which is fine, but it's kind of presented in a way that uh, to make you think that it's deeper than that right the other thing I'll, I'll mention is that it does to me fizzle after take a picture the this the end of the record is a little hit and miss there's some parts that are cool of songs um but in whole from song track seven to eleven to me is pretty boring uh i will lead you the best part of that is that pre-chorus where that guitar comes in that's kind of a Sounds like an 80s uh, Aussie song or something. It's like a really metal riff, but not necessarily like a drop D riff. Um, You know, there's a cool bass line in Cancer, but overall that song's fairly boring. Miss Blue's got a really cool chorus, you know, but it's spotty. I think it also feels like that's the part of the record where maybe the songwriting wasn't as good, and I'm hearing more of the Failure influence. So maybe this is where... Ken Andrews is pushing in a little bit to help make some of these songs work. So a song like Skinny to me is like
2: not as He wasn't amaz- involved with this. Oh, he wasn't? No, he was... There was the Army of Anyone album.
1: Oh, okay. But that... I mean, Skinny sounds like... There are parts in that that sound very failure to me. There's a... Yes. Oh, yeah. There's a, the chorus tone, and there's these, these layered or melodic guitars in there that are a little bit different, but overall, it's just kind of a boring song. Um, I'm not the only one is another example of that where it starts to feel like be failure sonically but doesn't really have the the other interesting components there to you know warrant kind of an ambient droning slow song. So
0: that last last part of the record, last three, four or five tracks are to me uh fairly weak. yeah. Yeah, the lyrics. They they go
2: from very vague to cliched. Yeah, it's basically because, like, as much as I like the best things, the chorus goes, "You know, the best things in life aren't for me. You know, the best things in life aren't for free." Okay, right.
0: That's, I've heard that before. There's something too about the way
1: he. He sings the style of singing. It's very like um, enunciated and also upfront. And it's there's something about it, like to me, when I hear it, it's like listen to this. It's really important. And then you're like, okay, I'm listening. You're like, mm, I don't really want to listen to these lyrics. Let <laughs> we'll me back out a little bit and just kind of like, yes, enjoy the enjoy
2: the energy. In the balance between the music and the lyrics, the music far exceeds the lyrics yeah and i don't know that in comparison i i do think that you naturally have to compare them to Nine Inch nails because of the association and, and the sound
0: i do feel like uh
2: this doesn't like it's it's like the next level down from you know like it just doesn't have, I don't get a sense of unity to any of this. Like, it just seems like there's a lot of cool riffs and a lot of interesting things happening musically. And then these sort of like very mundane lyrics are put on top in order to, you know, find a melody and and make it a, a complete song. But I don't feel like any of this is like, maybe it matters to him. But it doesn't, like, I can't figure out, like, what a lot of this means. It They just seem like words that rhyme, and they fit the melody and the rhyme scheme and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Rather than... And just, like, anger for anger's sake. Because it's it's hard to, like look at this being released in 1999 and not see what was also being released around this time and not go, yeah, there was a lot of like dumb anger for no apparent reason with with bands talking about breaking stuff because they just woke up one day and wanted to break stuff. Yeah. It's not exactly how we started the decade. We started the decade with a little more (laughs) introspection. Right. And we ended with breaking stuff.
0: Yes. So,
1: yeah. So I'm
0: the emotion is what sells at the end of the day, and we sort of
1: we as humans quickly figure that out, and then we end up ruining everything. Yeah, I nuance goes out the window. It's like just sell the hate.
2: Yeah, it does feel like that in some ways. It does feel like all you have to do to get on the radio by this point is just like something angst. Angst is not enough. Yep. It has to be aggression. Right. Angst
1: is too nuanced. There's a story behind angst. Right. Aggression but then that doesn't, is
2: just. <laughs> it doesn't explain take a picture. Why that was the big single. Um, I guess it's a good because it's a good song. It just. Yeah. I, you, I mean, you, uh, you
1: can play it on in so many different formats.
2: Yeah. It's true.
1: You can play it in the store while you're shopping at the mall. <laughs>
2: like, exactly. You're gonna play Welcome to oh, Soul. I'm sure I've heard this in the grocery store. Right. yeah Yeah. it's just it's such a it's an odd song because it's i like i when i think of songs i often think of them as as a as a structure because i think of like okay a chord you know in this part and these are there's like four chords here or six chords here and then there's you know you you have your sections your your chorus your verses your choruses and then it like it it's a building like there's all these components when i listen to that song like i can't wrap my mind around like where do you start when you're writing this? It seems very like um, it. It doesn't seem to have a, a, a center yeah. for me to wrap my brain around because it's this. It feels like it's driven by the rhythm, as opposed to like a chord progression. Well, I think that's why when I listen to
1: it now and I realize that that guitar is underneath at the beginning. That grounded being like, oh, that's the basis for the song. So then when all the layering comes in, now I'm like understanding a little better. Got it. It's also six minutes long. I'm, I'm sure that's not, that wasn't the single version. Right? No, it was
2: for something.
1: I think that's... I'm not n- never a fan of a six-minute song.
0: Um, particularly one that's formatted like this where you can get lost in it because there's not enough movement. So,
1: uh, there's no need for this song to be six minutes, <laughs> whatever the no. single edit was, it w- is what it should be near. Uh, neither should, uh, Welcome to the Fold be seven, seven minutes and 40 seconds. Like that's no, the, the radio
2: edit for title for, for Welcome to the Fold was 442. And the radio edit for this was they cut it from 603 to 341.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's all it needs to be.
2: Yeah. It should not be. I, yeah, <laughs> I don't understand why you need to make it that long. Now there are remixes that take it up to nine minutes. Jesus. In okay, case so you uh, you really want to get down. Yeah, there's a U.S. maxi single that has one, two, three, four, five, six remixes, a transcapella a version, transcapella. <laughs> I don't even know what that. I understand what that means. Yeah, there's there's a ton of remixes of this song uh and it makes sense because it charted all over the world in the like either top 20 50 that kind of thing so i'm sure that he made a few dollars off of this and i in Rich, richard patrick even though he was basically controlling the band at this point um, he did actually like, share writing credits. So he's the primary writer on because of lyrics. He writes all the lyrics. But Gino Leonardo, who um, played guitar, bass, sitar, mandolin and programming, he has co-writes on three songs, and Frank Cavanaugh, who was the uh, bass player, has a co-write on one of the songs. So it wasn't just Richard Patrick like taking ownership of everything and right. So but he, did, I... he did write take a picture
0: himself. Gotcha. So that's a little bit of uh
2: hey and we got a we got a um hidden track on this. because uh, I was listening to this in the basement while I was organizing Legos. And it went it turned off, and I didn't do anything and then thirteen minutes later, there's a bunch of screaming
0: <laughs> so is that it's at, at the, the end at, of miss Blue
2: at the end of miss Blue, there's yeah, it, the track ends at like five thirty six yeah and then there's thirteen minutes of nothing, so I'm just sitting there organizing my Legos, and then there's just screaming starts, and I'm like, yeah. what what i I was like literally like what is going is there something happening in the house like what's going on, yeah. So that was fun. Uh, let's talk about our overall ratings for this record, Jay. Worthy album, better EP or decent single? What do you say?
0: I'm going to go for a worthy album. I think the lyrics, um,
1: they're so the energy on the Uptempo stuff is enough that you can flip this on and your head's going to be bobbing and you're going to be like, pounding the steering wheel with your fist. So it's pretty easy to, to, to ignore the lyrics um,
0: once, you, once you get into the record. So I think it would benefit from some editing for sure. Um, it's interesting because in general, the songwriting is pretty, like
1: I said, uh, economical, it's condensed, it's sharp. But then they do these like long middle sections or long intros or endings that I think add a lot of bulk to the record. Uh, there's a couple tracks I think you could drop, you know, this is probably a a good nine to 10 song record instead of 11
0: with some trimming uh, here and there, and you can get it down to a good, you know, 50 to, um, you know,
1: 40 minute listen, which would work a lot better. I think you just you would absorb that that energy f- better, um, kind of get a good hit Thanks off of it. For and move on
0: to support the uh, podcast. Uh, visit www.patreon.com uh, uh, forward slash Dig much Me better Out and become I a monthly subscriber you know, at www.digmeoutpodcast.com where you can find links to our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram the pages. Band
1: was it was kind of a one trick pony band, and I found this to be. Um, I think a lot more nuanced from a musical standpoint than
0: I anticipated. So it's worth the album. Where are you at?
2: One thing I forgot to mention, the vocal on Cancer that yep. we were talking about, that's Darcy Retsky from Smashing Pumpkins. Oh. Because he, he built his studio in Chicago. Gotcha. Um, And the cello player on three songs Sand Take a Picture and Miss Blue was the cello player for the Smashing Pumpkins on Disarm. His name is nice. Eric Remschneider. Ramschneider. I agree he would
1: I think this band would have been much more compelling for me from this record on had they found another singer to be able to compliment him occasionally like
0: they're that they're dabbling like they are dabbling with on this record.
2: Yeah. As a casual listen, I like listening to this all the way through, but when it when it really comes down to it, it's probably a, a better EP for me. Um, Welcome to the Fold, Captain Bly, it's going to kill me the best things. I will lead you cancer probably be my six songs that i would pick as uh it's not that the other ones are bad it just i don't they don't they're not as good as these and these are the ones that i would actually choose to listen to that said i think welcome the fold is way too long there's you know it's a cd album from 1999 of course there's some fat it's just it's just what we have to deal with They weren't, this isn't the helicopters. Let's put it that way.
1: (laughs) No, it is not.
2: They did not trim the fat on this. So, but it did stand up a lot better. I was worried that this was going to be bad. Like this was going to sound outdated. There was going to, I was, I didn't like, was there going to be like record scratching? Was there going to be like, (laughs) you know, was there going to be a rap verse somewhere that he was going to do? Like I was, was, there's all these things I was thinking about, like, oh, this could go really bad. And I think the singles give you that impression
1: too, because they're just so uh different. I mean, if you just take take a picture and welcome to the fold. Well, welcome to the fold, you're like, okay, I can see how this comes out of short buzz. It's like a mm-hmm. bigger hard rock version of that. And then you hear take a picture, like, okay, I don't understand what this record's gonna be. This this is gonna be a mess. Right. But like I said, the context of Take a Picture and the record kind of makes more sense to me now. I've heard the whole thing, so um, I'm with you. I was expecting the worst, and it, uh, it exceeded that for me.
2: I do want to make mention Richard Waterman, who was the person who suggested that said, the drum breakdown on I'm Not the Only One, enough said. I will agree that that's a cool part in the song. It comes like four minutes into the song. Wow. Yeah, right. On an almost six-minute-long song, I would have liked that to happen a little bit earlier. Yeah, it just—it just takes a long time to get there. Um, that's my issue with that track. Yeah. Well, thank you, Richard, for suggesting this. I'm glad we got to talk about it, and uh, it fits in nicely with our previous discussions of "Stabbing Westward" and "God Lives Underwater." And ministry, those types of records. So, if you would like to vote in one of these roundtable polls, not roundtable, in uh, tournament polls, you can join us at Patreon by joining the DMO Union at DMOUnion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Every month we do this, 27 albums suggested via digmeoutpodcast.com. They're coming in every day. Every day we get suggestions. They go into the hopper, and that hopper gets turned into a tournament. And it's our patrons who decide. We don't uh, make the decisions. We will have some decision-making in future episodes. I think people are going to like it when we throw off the shackles of obscurity and dive into notoriety.
1: <laughs> well, I mean we kind of started it a little bit with this record. I mean it's not a it's not a diamond or pl- diamond release but no. It was pretty pretty big.
2: It sold at the time it sold 800,000 and since then it has been certified platinum. Okay. So that's that's not bad. Okay. And and but you you know, E McIver's right. This is right on the edge of when you can start downloading music from Napster. Yeah. So I wonder if like some of that might've gotten cut into because everybody downloaded the single for take a picture as opposed to buying the single or buying the album. Like, I wonder if this sells a million and a half instead of 800,000 who knows Uh, what we do know is that the new filter record coming out later this year, you'll be able to find out about it. The exact release date by becoming a, a box newsletter subscriber Every week, we have a calendar of new releases of 80s, 90s, and aughts. New music releases, new uh, books, documentaries, uh, TV shows, anything that has to do in the world of pop culture with 80s and 90s and aughts music. It's on that newsletter each week, plus two reviews of new releases, usually music, but occasionally there's a, a TV show or a movie or something that pops up that you know, we check out lastly, Apple podcasts. That's where you go to leave positive feedback for this podcast. And for us as people, if you want to say, Tim, uh, you really need to work on your ums and your us. That's fine. Uh, I would prefer that you just leave that out. Just, just focus on the overall, not on the specific. That would be, that would be better. Uh, So that's it. For Jay, I'm Tim. We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.